Hello, we're back. Luke Taylor here, Cork and Taylor Wine Podcast. Thanks for us. Thanks to you for joining. I appreciate it. Um, we are going to start the week off the right way. We're going to start with bubbles. This fine guest, he's, he sent me like 3,000 wines. We're only going to taste four, which is more than I think the average we usually take. But, you know, whatever. It's, it's always good to have a conversation over wine. I hope as you're listening, you are enjoying some great wine. As as you know, we try each week to uncork the lighter side of wine. Uh, don't forget to follow, subscribe, rate, review, whether it's uh, YouTube, which as you can see, we never post shit, but just give a thumbs up, whatever. It makes me feel better about myself. Uh, my kids are trying, my boys are trying to get more subscribers than me. They're, they're at 11, so I'm really trying hard here. Uh, follow us on Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, subscribe to this show. And if you want to help the show, uh, go to our Patreon site, www.patreon.com backslash Cork and Taylor. I thank you to our loyal supporters that help us uh, keep the show going and growing. So that's all the bullshit. As you know, I've got Yoav Guillet. See, I'm French Canadian, so I can do the Guillet. <laughs> Uh, from Share a Splash Wine Company. They call him, or he calls himself, the Hummingbird. And I love his wine because, you know what? I would say that I am, due to being overweight, I've lost some weight, I might add. I'm very proud of that. But I am a spectacular cannonballist. So I'm excited to talk about one of his wines called Cannonball. So, Yoav, welcome to the Cork and Taylor Wine Podcast. Good morning from California. Good morning from California. I'm sorry. I even told you I apologize for getting you up so early. And I, I like to say that because everybody I know in the wine industry gets up pretty darn early. So what can you do? Yep. So you've got a very, very, and I, and I think everybody we've ever had on the podcast has unique backgrounds. I don't think we've ever had kind of the same. So born and raised in Israel, moved to the UK, you studied law. So this is probably going to be a very interesting conversation. I don't think you're going to have much personality if you studied law, but we won't go there because I know some people are lawyers <laughs> that are probably going to sue me now because they're friends of mine. But you did law and it was interesting because you worked at a beer company, a very large beer company, obviously. Um, and I'm really curious how you got from law to this. And I, and I know that's why we're here. So Kind of just, I mean, did you grow up with wine? Um, funny enough, you know, Israelis or Jewish people argue that probably Israel, um, or that part of the world, I will be politically correct and say, was uh, one of the first uh, regions of uh, of wine uh, back in the day, um, like 5,000 years ago or 3,000. It just depends where you want to start counting. But... Uh, Right. But yes, I grew up uh, not with uh, not with the best ones, I would say. But we grew up um, in our family used to store the wine in the in the perfect place above the wine uh, above the fridge when the temperature got to 110 Fahrenheit. Um, perfect storage for wine, and then the, and then we had wine. The wine was on the table um, almost on a say on a daily basis, uh, definitely over the weekends when we had guests over. So there was only also, there was wine always there, probably pretty shitty wine, I would say, but there was wine on the table. And uh, when we were traveling, there was uh, also, you know, back uh, back then, everywhere you went, there was no like illegal issue. You could have, the kids were hanging out at the, where the parents were doing wine tastings, wherever we went um, in Europe or even in the U.S. and 
it was totally normal. So yes, I had, uh, I had the pleasure. I was exposed to that in a very early age and uh, grew up with it. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so what, when did you kind of get passionate about it? Was it when you went to the UK? Um, I got into it, I want to say, um, in my teens. I was here, I was in Santa Cruz, actually. I was visiting family in Santa Cruz Mountains, my first visit to California when I was 15 years old. And I was, I was wild by it. I was really wild by California to begin with. Um, and uh, Santa Cruz Mountains is, be, is blessed by one of the best wineries in the world called Ridge. Uh, and as a as a fifteen year old boy, I was there with uh, with my cousins. They were members of the in the Montebello Club, and that was my one of my first time. I was like, "Wow, this is really good wine." And uh, mm -hmm. I I didn't know a lot, but I knew what was good, obviously. And um, so I think it it basically started back then. And then a lot of my friends are in the in that industry, in hospitality industry, and we always started to appreciate wine. Um, and really enjoy it. I was never, uh, I don't consider myself to be a, a wine snob, um, so, but I, I really appreciate good wine, I would say, in general. Yeah, yeah. Now, when you started working at, uh, is it Tim Tim Cobier, yeah, yeah, so Tim Cobier. Yeah, Tim Cobier. Yeah. Tim Cobier was the- How did that yeah. kind of shape? Yeah, that's, a, that's an Go interesting ahead. company that basically has the rights, it's an Israeli company, so it's not, they were not just doing just beer. They were importing to Israel um, a lot of great wines, Masti, Planeta, uh, Fonseca, Marquis de Riscal, um, uh, Paul Roger, and some other really, really great wines. Part of the, uh, there was another division that was uh, importing to Israel, Corona, and there was another division that started Red Bull. I was part of that, uh, that small business in Israel that uh, they did really, really well. Um, and we were facing a lot of different challenges, but I want to say that was an interesting way to get into the business side of it. I was, I have, as you mentioned, I had the legal background, so obviously I was uh, part of the policy um, uh, regime as well at the company, but uh, we did everything. It's a, it was a small company, so I, I was involved in a lot of different things and really, really enjoyed, learned a lot um, in that, uh, that experience, uh, so it gave me a lot, but was really interesting marketing was a super important part of the of the business and um, obviously really great brands that uh, we were I was lucky enough to be part of that uh, company okay so here's a, this is not a trick yeah. question is it easier to make good wine or is it easier to sell it huh in this uh, in this world today i would say it's easier to make wine in the world that we live today it's yeah. much easier to make if you go around it's amazing you know if you go to provine those you know international wine shows um, and mm -hmm. you go from one uh, one hall to another it's the size like i want to say it's the size of of disneyland i mean it's pretty crazy that size of a show it's called provine it's massive it's in Düsseldorf. Yeah. Uh, yeah i'm supposed to, i might go to, yeah i might yeah, i might go to it next year and it's crazy how how many i mean there's isn't there like ten thousand plus different wines it's, it's more than i would say more than ten thousand it's yeah. in the thousands of of wineries and it's if you go now and you'll go from one region to another without being biased without basically saying there is no way they're going to make good wine you know i want to name specific countries you will be shocked from the quality of the wine across the board. So the quality of wine went up drastically, I would say, definitely in the last uh, 30 years, but more so in the last 10, 15 years. I mean, people now, it's a global 
we live in a in a global village and you have people that are traveling all over they learn a lot on the net as well a, a lot of relationship and they go and do you know a, an internship in in Provence or in Marlborough in New Zealand or in in um, in South Africa or in Israel or in Lebanon or wherever they go and it's so they get a lot of different um, you know experiences practices uh, and they they're exposed to a lot of it and they're just being able to to bring it to life when they go to their own country or their own winery uh, the equipment has got much better there is more um, you know better equipment um, we we know better how to work with uh, with wine that we did before we still don't know how to work with mother nature obviously as, as humans but uh, we're doing exactly the opposite but except for that i think uh, yeah back to your original question wine is getting better so it's much harder to sell wine because we have so much wine out there and uh, how do you how do you differentiate yourself how do you make yourself because everybody are basically saying my wine is better for the price points Right, right, right. So you started, Cannonball was your first line extension, correct, in 2006? Yeah, that was our first baby. Our first born was Cannonball first Cab. One. So how did you, how did you, I guess, come up with the concept? How did you come up with the name? Because, I mean, you know, most people will do, you know, like an Angels and Cowboys or other label or their name, like, you know, Yoav, you know, yeah. Vineyards or whatever. You know, Cannonball is not really kind of associated with wine. I mean, let's yep, be honest. Absolutely. So it's really, it's it's interesting. Yes, I mean, we were, uh, we were a few partners back then. Uh, some people from the East Coast, some people from here from California, from the West Coast. And definitely the minute you said Cannonball, people uh, from the East Coast thought about Cannonball as the Cannonball that people usually think about. Um, right. Civil War and um, and uh, Army, etc. Uh, we from the West Coast were more like uh, weekends fun. Let's do a cannibal into you know into the pond, into a river, into the creek, into mm -hmm. a pool. Um, yep. And the whole idea. I mean, listen, we I didn't inherit any vineyards. Uh, I, my my last name is not Mondavi. I couldn't put an estate, a, a beautiful right. winery on the label or vineyards on the label. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was kind of. Wine became such a pretentious, arrogant, snobbish thing, and we are pushing away so many people away. People look at the label, and they, there is, you know, a glut, like a, heaps of wine on the shelf. How do you differentiate yourself? How do you make yourself, uh, right. if you don't have a budget of, you know, millions and millions of dollars to, to put billboards and say, hey, um, I, so our, our billboard was the label, and we said, how can we, do we look different? How do we basically be attractive enough for people will say um, this is an interesting uh, thing. So the name itself is, is in my, when it comes with the image of the boy diving into a pool or a pond or a creek or whatever that is, is, is immediate positive connotation. And I remember doing a wine tasting at Stanford right. Faculty Club and they, there was an, a 90-year-old guy with a cane walking, holding my shoulder and say, boy, you took me back. Eight years now, eight years back, I did the cannonball. And that's exactly what we're trying to, to do is basically to bring back the ethos of cannonball is let's be kids again. Let's enjoy wine. Let's forget about all the, you know, the right glassware and the right temperature and the right pairing. And just like take it a notch down, make it more approachable, make it more fun. Uh, and that boy basically... Uh, represent that time of our life when we didn't make such a fuss of everything. It was more simple uh, lifestyle. I wouldn't say 
the wine, we take the wine super seriously. We have an amazing winemaker and we, we make really, in my mind, really, really great wines. But in terms of the packaging, it was like, it's a wink, wink. Like we don't, we won't put on the label a vineyard. We won't put on the label an estate. We'll do something that is more our lifestyle is let's say, uh, let's enjoy life and be more relaxed and, uh, and fun about it. You got a problem though with the label, you know that? So we're trying to take Cork and Taylor, the next uh, wine podcast in the left le- next level. And I'm going to tell you something that that boy looks like my nine year old son. So I don't know how that would work in the court of law, but just saying that kind of looks even like me as a child. <laughs> it's, a guy, it's, a, it's a guy that is taking good care of himself or a girl with a short hair. And, yeah. um, you know, interestingly enough. No, no, yeah. no, no. Yeah. I would say one. Yeah, that looks my that, I mean, I I looked at it and I smiled. And that's why you saw me look at this. Because it does look my like my nine-year-old son. Like he's smiling, he's doing a cannonball, there's some fear in him too. And it's just, it really is a fun label. And I've always seen it in, you know, different wine accounts and stuff like that. And I've always kind of chuckled because it's cannonball. I mean, it's childhood. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I still do a cannonball once in a while, but, you know. Yeah. I have my, my, have so, my, so no, I, my daughter, yeah. sorry, my daughter is like, now she's five, but she yeah, got you're the fine. first boots and she like pepper uh, pepper pig boots and she went into literally a puddle yep. outside our house and was shouting cannonball and just making a splash into that little paddle and so it just it's a moment of like and she was giggling and laughing and enjoying herself and this is exactly that point that we're trying to to bring that mm-hmm. that childhood back into those before we started to talk about uh you know tuition fees and mortgages and alimony and all the shit that yeah. happens later in life. It's more, let's just enjoy yeah. life. So that's kind of what Cannonball is all yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. So I want to talk about the first one we had, but, but I want to ask you a question because, you know, obviously with COVID and everything going on, inflation, you know, that Cannonball and even your Angels and Cowboys have certain price points, correct? How difficult is it going to be going forward to try to keep it under that price point? It's been difficult, honestly, to keep that consistency and be true to yourself with the quality of the wine and working the way we do. It's it's challenging. It's absolutely challenging. We are we have a long-term vision, the way that we look at things. I should have probably had by now five or six price increases. If I had a board, you know, a real board or a public company, they would have told me to raise prices. I just want to do, right. I feel... Almost uh, that wine is, um, it was sounding cliche, but I'll say it, it's, it's wine by the people, for the people. And I really, we are like, our margin is being squeezed by, you know, glass manufacturers, freight costs, uh, rape costs, everything. Capsules, everything, 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 everything. labels, everything. Yeah, no, I know. So I know. Our margins yeah. have, been, have been squeezed drastically, definitely in the last 12 months or 18 months. Uh, but we're able to to keep that price point that we, we believe is the right price point. It's an amazing value to have that wine at, at you know, 50, under $20, $15, $16 a bottle of yep. wine. Um, so absolutely, it's been super challenging. Um, yep. And um, it's not an easy thing to do. And are, and are you, yeah, and are you able to keep the quality? Because as you know, and, and I'm not saying you're doing this, um, I'm not even thinking that. But there are some companies, I, I'm in the wine industry and, and distribution, okay? So I understand that game and I understand your game and, and, and what have you. But unfortunately, you're seeing people keep prices and are they able to keep the quality? 
it's very, very tough. I would say that surprisingly enough, uh, if you take a bottle of our first vintage, uh, 2005, now in 2019 vintage, the style of the wine is stayed exactly the same style. There, there is variation because of mother nature from a vintage to vintage, but overall, right. the wine is... Right. But I will tell you, if the wine quality is not there, if we, if we pick uh, grapes um, and we are not happy with the quality, we will basically sell that lot or sell that bulk wine. To sell. We will not compromise on the quality. Our, our quality, actually, Good. I would say same consistent, same style of wine, but our quality of wine, I would argue that actually went up Uh, in the last uh, five years. Mm -hmm. So shockingly, we've been able to source better, do a better job, uh, find the right growers, uh, and really do a phenomenal job with our winemaking. Yeah. Are you consistent with who you buy grapes from? I mean, is it someone, like if you had the same kind of contract uh, with the same growers or at least the same areas maybe? Yes, so absolutely. So uh, two for two, yes. First of all, we are trying to be consistent with the with the regions so we are buying usually very close to the coastline um, the the first wine that we're gonna try is the, is, the, is the California appellation so the California appellation we will still buy could be from usually I mean we started I mean the Sonoma the Angels and Cabo is going to be more Sonoma um, and the cannonball is, is California but it will be coastal so it will be definitely from the area that is close to the get more a more wind cooler climate we won't let the have like over extracted you know um, fruit and uh, and alcohol we try to to keep it low and have really nice acidity for to the wine and that's why we need to be close to the coast um, but yes we are right. we are expanding our Rolodex of growers but we have families that we've been working since day one I would say in the last you know 16 years with the same growers that we started to work back then but Now that we make uh, Angels and Cowboys Rosé, we need Grenache. We didn't have uh, Angels and Cowboys uh, Rosé six, seven years ago. So we started that program seven years ago. So that's a new new families that joined our Angels and Cowboys uh, family. So we're going to go into, we're drinking the little, uh, not little, but some bubbles. Yeah. Uh, Angels and Cowboys uh, bubbles. Tell me a little bit about, um, very clean, very refreshing, very nice. Is this the same kind of concept under 50, well, probably not under 50, under 20 bucks? Yes. Or is it Angels and Cowboys maybe another tier? You know, Angels and Cowboys is definitely, it's more of an expression of, of uh, a specific uh, area. So it's also mainly Sonoma, uh, that area. It's very tough to make um, good bubbles uh, from California, Uh, and we are working really hard to make it the way that we think. We're kind of trying to do the champagne method style. Um, so we are using the same grapes as they use in champagne, Pinot Noir, Pinot Milien, Chardonnay. Um, the one has been sitting on the list for, for at least 12 months uh, uh, before disgorging, and then it keeps in, we stay in the bottle for another year before we start selling it. So we're taking the wine very seriously. That wine is just above, I think it's, $22 on the shelf, um, okay. and it's, um, it's, in my mind, and again, great great value for bubbles. Um, if you can't afford Krug for, uh, for $200, yeah. it's, a, it's a nice bottle of, uh, of wine to have uh, uh, bubbles from uh, California. Now, the decision to do it more like a champagne-style um, 
was that a personal preference? Was it a personal style? I mean, of the group? I mean, absolutely. The winemaker. What? What? I guess. How did you guys come down absolutely. to that? Absolutely. So that, that's the last. That's the latest addition to to our uh, portfolio to the wine that we that we have under Angels and Cowboys. So Angels and Cowboys basically just to make it easy is is more blends. It's not based on one varietal. The the rosé will be based on Grenache, but there are other varietals in that wine. The, the red blend that I don't know if you're going to try later or not is a Zinfandel blend. So it's got uh, Zinfandel is the core varietal, but we also add to it uh, a Syrah, Carignan, Sangiovese, and, and Malbec, and other varietals depends on the vintage. And same for this one. So this one is a blend um, all from the Champagne grape. So again, uh, Chardonnay. So this is that's our idea behind it is absolutely to get that style of uh, champagne will be never be able to make champagne because you can make champagne only right. champagne but in terms of style i would say more of that brioche croissant uh, flavor and and um, aromas uh, which i love more easty um, which mm -hmm. i really enjoy yes yeah, so definitely that's the style we're trying to get to and uh, i think we did yeah. a pretty good job yeah it is very nice I'm surprised. I mean, I've never had the wines. I mean, I'm very surprised by that. Uh, it's really pretty. Thank you. Thank really you. Pretty. Thank you. Um, so we're going to go into the rosé, but how, I guess, why, so you started with Cannonball. Why another line? Like, why, what, why another, I guess, line extension? So um, we just decided, that was the project, actually, that we started with our, so the, the label, the graphic designer, his name is Michael Schwab. He's pretty known in the, in the Bay Area actually now outside of the Bay Area as well, but he, he did a lot of the iconic uh, I, um, logos and posters such as uh, Golden Gate National Parks, uh, uh, the Koi Tower in San Francisco, Alcatraz, Golden Gate Bridge, uh, Mirrorwoods, etc. And then he did the Amtrak all over the country. So um, he did some really interesting uh, logos and posters. And he really wanted, he did the Cannonball one uh, for us. And then... Um, he was really, in, like he said, we should have a wine together. Well, let's do a wine together. And uh, so one of the reasons was a, bus a, a business thing. I couldn't, get, I couldn't get him involved into Cannonball because it was already established and it was a done deal. Right. And on this one, is the partner. So um, that was one of the reasons. The other reason, as I mentioned, it's a different style of wine. The Cannonball is it's all about varietals. We do a Cannonball Cab. We do a Cannonball Merlot. We do a Chardonnay. We do a Sauvignon Blanc. Angels and Cowboys is more of like kind of more um, an adventure. So we take uh, we take blends that we love to work with Zinfandel, and uh, we love to work with Grenache grapes. Uh, we love to work with you know the Pinot and the Chard grapes for the bubble. So that's the reason. That's the reason for that. I wouldn't say those wines are are better. They're just different style. Uh, yeah, they fit a different niche or category. They're not competing against exactly. each other. It's not like you go to some of these wine shelves and there's one wine and it's six. There's six wines and they're all the same wine, just a different yeah. name. So that's not no, the concept. Not at all. How 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 difficult is it, especially nowadays, since you're, you're since you have a legal background? Um, how difficult is it to get make like do a name, do a label, especially a name? I feel like every name is everywhere. Yeah, it's it's super super difficult because every name, the minute that you come with a name, you you find out that that someone else already have uh, a trademark of that name. They might not use it, but they have it, and then you need to start fighting that. And the big companies will have you know hundreds of names out there, even if they don't use them, just in case somebody would like to use that name. So it is it is difficult. You need to um, so that's 
yeah, that's absolutely a challenge to come up with the with a name that will be. And it's also like you, we're not a big, you know, a big company, so we don't have like kind of unlimited resources to go and do a research and hire a marketing firm and to start saying, what do you think about that name or that name? So it's a, you go with your your experience, with your gut, with what you think is right, and you you cross your fingers and hope that first of all, no one else got the name before you and, and uh, trademarked it. And then the, the name will be good enough that people will say, hey, that's a really cool, that's a really cool name. And uh, people will get it and understand it and, and uh, will enjoy it. Were there any other names when you're either starting Cannibal or Angels and Cowboys you really wanted to use but was already kind of used? Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> yes. Can you say? Uh, no, I won't say. But I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you okay. one. I'll, t- I'll ah, tell you, come I'll on. Tell you one, one thing that we actually did just to show you that sometimes it's not working the way you think. We, we, did, we, we did a right. tier for Cannonball and that was supposed to be for restaurants, a higher tier in terms of specific, you know, estate one, it will be only for when you have sommeliers or people It's like, wait a minute, we can't, we don't want to sell your wine because we saw it at HEB or we saw it at Whole Foods and we don't want to be the same. Right. We want to have a wine that is only for restaurants. So we didn't want to do reserve. We didn't want to do estate. We didn't call it limited. And we came up with, uh, with the name 11. So the, there is a movie when you bring the wine from the volume from from 10 to 11, like it's, it's like the perfect, the perfect score. It's even b- better than 10 out of 10. And um, right. the fact that I'm, I need to, I mean, some people go, I was like, wow, this is really cool. And we thought it's really cool. And we got all excited internally. But when we went out there, people were like, what, what, what do you mean? I don't, I don't get the guy here. <laughs> so it's not always going to work the way you think it's going to work. Um, and right. that just shows you the wine were the best wines we ever made. I want to say the wines were fantastic wines, got the best rate, like the best rating accolades we ever got. But people are scratching their head. It was also during COVID and it was supposed to be for restaurants. So it was a tough time to do it. But, you know, um, sometimes you, it's going to work, sometimes it won't. And you need to basically uh, understand that, that you need sometimes to basically fold it and say, OK, this is not going to work. I need to come up with something else. That rosé is tasty. Ah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's a, that's been a passion. That's really yeah, tasty. Thank you. That's been a passion. I've been, I moved here 20 years ago and I remember coming, you know, there was rosé only in very specific seasons in the U.S. unless you're talking about wines in Fandel. But if you wanted to get really good rosé, you had to go to the, to the Hamptons in the summer. You had to go to L.A., Hollywood uh, in, the, in the summer as well. Midwest and of the winter, there is no way to find good rosé. I'm talking about 20 years ago, uh, when I when we just you know when I moved here. The, so and then that whole revolution of rosé started back in I think 2010, 2012, and I was like, I want to make a really Provence style a rosé, uh, and this is how we started. So we we are our rosé is, is one of my all time favorite wines, and if you go to Provence with that wine, go to French people, go to, to you know, people that drink uh, rosé all their life, that's what runs in their veins, uh, will basically say, you know, shake you and say, well done, that's a really good, uh, yeah. so that's, uh, that's thanks again to our growers, uh, to where we are sourcing the grapes from, and an amazing winemaker that she's uh, a phenomenal winemaker that really makes fantastic wines for us, um, and we are lucky. Uh, it's, a, it's a great yeah, they're, they're, yeah both of those are very tasty 
Um, very tasty. So we're going to go to the Cannon, Cannonball Sauvignon Blanc. Yep. It's got a nice nose. It smells like Sauvignon <laughs> Blanc. Not New Zealand. <laughs> Doesn't smell like cat's pee. Nope. That's, that's, that's a really um, nice one. It's kind of funny. I mean, you have that line where we make how many wines we do now? We do like, I think, 10 wine, nine wines that we make. Um, and uh, and I was like, it's very hard. It's like, what's your favorite? I don't have a favorite. It's like asking you about your kids, if you have a favorite kid. You have a favorite. Yoav, you have a favorite. Let's nope. be honest. I got three. <laughs> I, okay, let me ask yes. you something. Let me let yeah. me ask something. This, this is a, so you're on a ledge. You, your wife and, and yourself are on a ledge. Your four kids are there, okay? Who would they push off? Ooh. Their mom or their dad? That's a good one. Um, yeah, they're, they're exactly. That's a tough one. Exactly. Yeah, yeah no, eh, you, you kind of know. But, I, you know, I, I listen, I'm in the distribution world. You know, I, was, I had a wine. I was doing a wine tasting Friday night. And I said, uh, people will go like, what's your favorite wine? I'm like, well, I, you know, I, I can't tell you that. What I will tell them is like I have certain wines for different occasions. Like if I'm having a big hearty meal, yeah. I want something big or red. If I want something light and airy, I might have one of these three, the Angels and Cowboys, you know, the, yeah. the Brut, the Rosé yeah. or the Cannibal Sauvignon Blanc. So I would say the only thing I would say back to your original question, uh, it depends on the day. It depends on, as you said, it depends on the hour. Who are they going to push? Who are they going to push first? Same thing goes here. Like I would say, it just depends on the. Mm -hmm. it, it, it it just depends what's going on. You know, what did you eat be, like before? What do you feel like having now? I mean, we before we started, we talk about bubbles. So bubbles will be in general right. the thing that I will I can start my day with and and finish my day with always. It's something that I always have like love for. And um, I'm not the guy that will go Good. for last you know last round of drinks and do something else. I, I love my bubbles. I would say that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You love yeah. your bubbles. And this is a very nice Sauvignon Blanc. So was this the second wine you ever made for Cannonball? Yes. The Sauvignon Blanc, or did you? Yeah, okay. the... well, I, I guess, yeah. And, and why? I mean, you started with the Cabernet, correct? What, what, what makes, I guess, what made you decide to do a Cabernet first? Was it access to grapes? Was it because that's what you wanted to do? And then why do you go from, you know, Cabernet Sauvignon to... Sauvignon Blanc. Like, I guess, what was your guys's mind, uh, like, thought process behind so, it? So, as you mentioned earlier, I, I was, uh, I'm a recovering attorney. I was a recovering lawyer. So, and, and when you have, you have, when you're in a law firm, you have an expense account. You go out with, you know, the the managing partners, the law firm, to some dinners, and they always speak yep. those uh, amazing wine. Many times you go to a steakhouse, and your clients are eating and you're drinking really great mm -hmm. cabs. And uh, when I stopped being a lawyer, I suddenly realized my budget is not as it used to be. I don't have a budget anymore. No. And the, and the, one, and the, cab, the cabs on the 20 bucks were not, I was like, I can't drink this. This is not good wine. I don't enjoy it. So my mission was let's, let's make a really great cab on the 20 bucks. That was my mission. My mission back in the day was I really wanted to make a great cab on the $20. Uh, so that's, that's the reason for that one, for the cab. Um, and in business school, I was, we were running some, you know, running some numbers. I, I really looked at that as, as how can we make it into a business? Absolutely. I would say, I would say it straight up. It, it's, it was tons of passion, but I wanted to be, it's not just about passion. It's, it's also about how do you make it sustainable? How can you 
actually make a living out of it. Uh, right. So that was the camp. Right. As far as you're solving online, another, I, I saw the opportunity in, in terms of a line extension. The market was saturated already back then with a Chardonnay. Um, Merlot was back then was uh, still suffering from uh, the sideways movies. No Sideways, yep. Nobody, you, you, you will call Merlot red blend. It will be 100% Merlot. Everybody will drink it, say this is the best one they ever had. The minute you call it Merlot, nobody yep. will touch it. So it was... Yeah, but but, yeah. but yeah, but don't you think with... I know Sideways really hurt it, but don't you think there's a certain price point it's very difficult to make a good Merlot, let's say under 20 bucks. I mean, it just is because... It's usually sweeter. It's not. And people are like, well, you can't age Merlot. I'm like, have you heard of Chateau Petrus? Yeah. You know, yeah. or some of these yeah. uh, right bank yeah. wines that can age for 3,000 years? Yeah. So, it, it, yes, yes and no. Absolutely. I would say that it's more challenging. But, again, we only sent you, I don't know how many, well, I mean, if we sent you the Merlot. But I would Just, encourage you, forget no, about the show right okay. now, but I would encourage you to try Merlot. Merlot, Merlot is actually a wine. People come and say, I don't want to try Merlot. I hate Merlot. And then I tell them, okay. I'm giving one wine, please do me a favor, try it. And people are like, oh my God, this is really delicious. So our Merlot is outstanding. Uh, Merlot, uh, you, you are not trying it now, but I would encourage you to try right. it. So yes, it is more difficult um, as well, but there is also, I mean, yeah, look at the market, market share and what are the options. And back then there was not even opportunity to uh, wine, wine, restaurants stopped to do by the glass with Merlot. There used to be Malbec, Shiraz, Cab, Zinfandel, yep. but there was no Merlot anymore. And I was like, so yep. Merlot was out of the question when we, so that was kind of by default, we came with Sauvignon Blanc. We said we needed a line extension. People said, you need a white. Uh, and uh, okay, let's do, let's go with Sauvignon Blanc. So it was, uh, it was a great right. decision. I love our style of that uh, wine. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it's got amazing acidity, beautiful, fresh food, crisp, yep. clean. And it's, it's a great wine. Goes, you know, you can, Pair it with food, but you can actually just sip it on the afternoon. You don't even need food for that one. Yeah, yeah. How much, can you say how much you produce of each label? Like not individual wines, but total. I mean, are you producing 50,000 cases of the Cannonball? Are you are you producing 100,000 cases of Angels and Cowboys? Yeah, so, uh, so Cannonball is, uh, it just depends on the vintage. Every vintage will be different. I can tell you that on the Sauvignon Blanc, for example, we made uh, 8,000 cases of this vintage. Uh, we were planning originally to okay. make 12,000 cases, but because of drought, yields, uh, things like that, and yep. quality of grapes, we just decided, we, we, I mean, Mother Nature decided for us we can't make enough. Right. Um, right. Obviously, Cannonball, the Cab is our flagship wine. We, we make more of that wine. Um, but it's it definitely less than, uh, we've never crossed the 100,000 cases. So you have a lot of brands out there. Okay. They're doing, you know, a million, two million, three million. I'll never be able to do it. I cannot keep the quality and the consistency and the style of the one that we want when you make a yep. million or two million cases. So I'm happy where we are, right. like to make the one we make and every varietal will be different. There is no a specific goal every right. year. It's like, I need to make 200. And no, nobody is forcing me. Uh, the only thing, the, the, it's the marketplace. We don't sell to the, you know, huge grocery stores that are the clubs out there when we are not going to be driven right. by price, uh, only by quality. And that, that will, you know, it just depends on the vintage, Mother Nature and uh, our ability right. to the market. Right. And, and also, too, the market dictates really down the road how much you can sell and not sell. What 
what number do you think in your mind where you kind of lose control of quality? Is there like, I know you said a million, but you know, is it a hundred thousand cases, 50,000 cases, 200,000 cases? Because as you know, it gets to a certain price point. Once you make X, you know, just because you make twice as much doesn't mean you're going to make twice as much money. Yes, correct. Absolutely. Like, where do you think, where do you think is a sweet spot of case production where it's like, you know what, the quality is still there. I can still do okay. And I feel good about what is in the bottle. Yeah. So it, it depends on the, on the region, on the varietal, the quality of what you can actually make from that, from those grapes. Um, so it's very hard to basically say half a million, a quarter of a million. It depends on the winemaking, on the, um, you know, access to, to cat, to money, basically how many barrels you can buy. I mean, a lot of different factors, but, my, mm -hmm. I would say that uh, probably quarter of a million on a specific varietal. If we're talking about more complicated things to make, I would say quarter of a million. I think Sauvignon Blanc is easier to make and keep the the, the quality. Um, mm -hmm. It just depends on which wine. But it's uh, to pinpoint and say, oh, minute that you do a quarter of a million cases of a specific variety, you're out of the game. Uh, you're gonna lose compromise. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not even close to it. So thank God. I don't have that. Uh, we can we can still grow if we want to. I feel the market can easily uh, take more of our wines, and uh, we're just growing slowly. Mm -hmm. That's a very uh, political legal answer, <laughs> but thank you. Um, I am. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't drink a lot of under twenty twenty five dollar caps because they're usually they don't have a finish. There's really no tannin structure. It's in your face, whatever. That's very pleasant. The cap. I will Thank give you that. You. I, I yep. appreciate that. You know, when we. Yeah. I'm, I'm really yeah. shocked. Thank you. Yeah. We, uh, I call it, uh, yeah. we, I, I'm, I'm stealing a, a statement from one of the consumers that, that basically, that sent us that basically in 2010, somebody was in the, in the banking world and had to basically sell their house, move to a different place, used to drink expensive cab for like, 70 doors with his wife every night and basically sent us an email. I'll find that email. I'll just forward it to you just because it's uh, uh, and he said, thank God for cannonball. This is an affordable luxury. So I would say yeah. uh, under $20, uh, it's an affordable, it's a, an affordable luxury. I don't think, you know, money, money is mm -hmm. becoming, you know, even to buy wine for $20 is, is not for everyone, uh, especially mm -hmm. these days. So, it's it's a great great quality for for under under twenty dollars as you said for fifteen bucks to get that uh, a lot of wine a lot of serious wine in that bottle of wine for fifteen dollars. Oh God, yeah. And and do you have any uh, like neutral oak in it or is it all uh, stainless? It, there, there is oak as well. Yeah, absolutely, we do it with oak. Yeah, yeah. it's a program. Yeah. We have uh, a French oak, uh, and it's about uh, fourteen to sixteen months uh, in oak. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You should come and visit us. Wow. I mean, we have uh, it's we don't have that in uh, cave that we in the mountain for fifty yeah, million dollars. Right. It's a it's a very humble uh, yeah. uh, very humble. Yeah, but, yeah, but you're also yeah, but you're also you know, I love the small boutique wineries in Napa and Sonoma because they put their money in yeah. the wine. They don't put their money in yeah. the facilities. And that and that's yeah. okay. I mean that's okay if that's your thing. But 
Have you ever thought about doing kind of a scuba diver theme wine? <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. But uh, I did, but no, we're not going to do that. I mean, it's too gimmicky. It's starting to be too gimmicky for us. Uh, we are happy with... Uh, uh, with the boy that is uh, diving into the water, um, and I leave it to other people to come up with uh, with a scuba diver. But, but what? I guess why would I ask about the scuba diver? I hear you're a professional scuba. How do you become a professional scuba? So diver? I mean, it's it just, like you can hold your water. It, it, you, you can hold your your breath underwater for twenty seconds. No, no, no. This is a real like I'm. I'm uh, with a paddy. <laughs> I have uh, I have two stars paddy, so I'm allowed to. To go underwater under 30 meters. Uh, I got my license at a very young age uh, and I enjoy scuba wow. diving. So this is just uh, a fun um, a fun thing, a sport that I love doing. As, as you mentioned, I grew up in Israel, so the Red Sea was uh, the perfect uh, escape to, to scuba dive and you travel the world. It's an amazing opportunity just to, to look what is around us underwater. Um, and I love nature and I love the water. Uh, yeah. That's, uh, that's why. You caught me there. I wasn't ready for I've that. Always, I know. I, <laughs> I sneak it in. Um, so I've always wanted to ask someone from uh, from Israel, is the Red Sea still red? The Red Sea is still red. <laughs> it was never red. But uh, it's, um, it's an amazing, it's an wow. amazing, amazing, amazing <laughs> right. place. Like the Dead Sea is, uh, yeah, we can go on, on yeah. different uh, things here. But um, it is an amazing, yeah. uh, amazing place. Uh, encourage people to go and visit, uh, and uh, mm-hmm. and even if you can't scuba dive, it's a really nice place to surf or just to yeah. do, um, just to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Well, Yoav, that's all I got for you, man. Uh, you're gonna stick with us for a couple more minutes. We're gonna do a little uh, Patreon section with you. We're gonna have some fun, some more fun, actually. Thanks for joining us, Yoav. I mean, it's been a pleasure. You've opened my eyes uh, to some very nice wines that I've seen before, and I appreciate your time. Uh, Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you back in two weeks. Uh, Just remember to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, uh, not Twitter, uh, Patreon, whatever you want to do. And um, we'll keep uh, uncorking the lighter side of wine in a couple weeks. And uh, thanks again. Thanks, Yoav.